Don't worry when you are not recognized, but strive to be worthy of recognition. Abraham Lincoln Bending Not Breaking, Season 2, Episode 6, The Blind Bandit. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I am Sunshine Mayfield. This is Ben Pruitt. And we are excited because, as always, we are so grateful that y'all are listening to this like it's so cool we have people that that, like y'all listen yeah and we are also thankful to max gongaware who helps produce this and he's here right now and he's a real dude um because i'd argue that i don't help produce this i produce this he produces this well i guess like we produce content right so we still like produce it but you like produce it yeah yeah, yeah. and then we produce noah gets the executive producer Mark, because he you know he finances this, I guess. But you could also finance this at patreon.com backslash the arc of E. Please do, please yeah, do. A dollar a month can make a big difference. Yeah, and you get free content and bonus or content. Or more than that. Does any of that get donated to the Australia Relief Fund? It could. It could. Um, You know, I don't think it does, but it could. <laughs> Noah might donate. I think the majority of it goes into his pocket for... Paying for, um, paying for supplies and website and all that and stuff. demand yeah at this point i think it just evens out yeah we're, we're doing our best um but thank you all so much for listening and max thank you so much for being here ben that was a lovely quote thank you well can I, I said it myself yeah you did quoting someone else um so can i guess that our lens is recognition oh oh oh, oh. yeah which is uh i actually really enjoyed looking through that lens uh i thought that was gonna be tougher and i really appreciated the way that i saw this episode so thank you for choosing that lens thank you for watching it through this lens i'm so excited but before we get into the episode how's y'all week been has it been good you'll have a good week do anything fun do anything exciting i had to go back to work yes as did i max what about you have to work yes i did have to work i started a new challenge i started a uh, 52 week cooking challenge so oh, that's a, funny i did too there's a new theme each week and i i did chicken pot pie the first week I'm about to do some miso noodles uh this week so that should be exciting neato and i uh, i'm not a really good cook or at least like i don't think i could be a good cook i just don't cook and so this is a, a fun little challenge for me <laughs> so you did the baking challenge last year yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit different but yeah yeah it's been a lot of activity in the kitchen Totally. All right, Max, it is time for your uninformed recap. And I genuinely want to know if people like this, because I find it funny every time. Um, and I've heard one or two positive things, but I just w- if y'all want to send an email to thearchivy at gmail.com or let us know uh, at our Twitter or Instagram at bnb underscore pod, whether or not you like Max's uninformed recap, it would be greatly helpful for me to make sure that like we either keep it or try something new next time. Um, but I like it, and so we're going to keep doing it until I hear otherwise. Cool. Max, are you ready? So ready. Okay. Your first scene of the show is Aang is searching for a master and sees an advertisement for an earthbending academy. The final scene of the episode is Papa Bayfong sends a wrestler and an earthbending master 
to return his kidnapped daughter. Your five keywords are, and I guess he's not really a wrestler. He just, that's the vibe that you get from the episode. I think he's like the wrestling manager. Yeah, except they're not wrestlers. They're just earthbenders, but they're like earthbender battlers. Earth wrestler. We're giving him yeah. too much. Okay. Your five keywords are tournament, twinkle toes, championship belt, the boulder, and ransom. I guess it's more like five key phrases. Um, so tournament, twinkle toes, championship belt, the boulder, and ransom. Max, you have a minute. Are you ready? I, yeah. On your mark, get set, and away we go. All right, well, obviously the episode begins with Aang searching for a master and sees an advertisement for an earthbending academy. Um, Nailed it so far. Yeah, so on his way, he's like, yeah, this this advertisement's cool. I'm going to go to the earthbending academy. And upon arriving at the academy, he realizes that... To get into the academy, he has he has to be the champion of a tournament of twinkle toe competitions, uh, which is like a fancy way of saying dancing. So Aang has to test out those twinkle toes in order to earn the championship belt and to get into the academy of of earthbending. Um, and once he gets in, he he does win that championship belt and he gets in. And um, the entrance to the academy is he has to push past the boulder. Um, and that's how you get in because that's how doors work in this universe Five are their boulders. Um, and then he gets in and realizes it's actually a Ponzi scheme and gets kidnapped, uh, and his money gets taken for ransom. Uh, but that's also because the earthbending master, uh, has to return the kidnapped daughter and that's how it ends. That was a minute and 11. Really close. That was actually like, you were not far off. Kind of like last time. Not far not off. Not far off. It's a pretty like, predictable TV show in my experience. Yeah, maybe it gets harder. I will, We'll see. I, maybe I need to give tougher keywords. Next Do you time. have a recording of one of your friends doing an uninformed recap? Ooh, We'd love be, to hear that it. That could be fun. Have your friends recap an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender that they haven't seen. Or the movie that mm. doesn't exist. What movie? Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Max Bennett, it's your turn. You've got 30 seconds to give the real recap. Are you ready? Probably not. You gotta do the best you can. And away we go. The gang sees an advertisement for an earthbending academy. They go to the earthbending academy. All of a sudden, they realize that there is not really good teaching there. So then they're like, oh my god, where, oh, oh my god, there's this, like, fighting ring with earthbenders? Oh my god. And then Katara beats up two boys to get the entrance. They find out where it is. They go. They see the blind bandit take down the boulder, who's won, like, six things in a row already they find out the blind bandit is then a Beifong family they 10 go to seconds the Beifong family then they go over there like top is like no 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 no. and then they go and fight and then like they get captured and then oh my god they're like yes yes yes, yes katara and then yeah time i missed a lot you there was a lot that you did not capture 30 seconds is end. not a lot of time it's not it's like you get one minute of recap per second of our of like one second of recap covers a minute of the show yeah, that's tough. That's very difficult. Yeah, that's really But you hard. did fine. I got like 30, 60% of the way there. Sure. So we are talking through this lens of recognition today. Yeah. How did you attack this show? Attack's not the right word. How did you, when you think of the word recognition, what are you looking for? What was, the, what was that lens for you? Or did it shift from the start of the show to the end of the show? I think there's a lot of ways to think about what recognition is. I think that... 
even when you choose the lens like I did, I might have seen it one way and then watched it a different way, right? I might have been like, oh, this will be cool to talk about and then realized, oh, I didn't even think about it this way the second time I watched it. And so that definitely happened. I think for me, recognition uh, per quote is like, when don't worry when you're not recognized but strive to be worthy of recognition like acting act the way you would want to be recognized right and i think that i see toff acting in a way at home that is not the way she wants to be recognized right she's not seen and recognized the way that she truly is and feels and wants to live her life and i think that's really interesting and that was the original reason i chose it but then there's also a lot of other things to unpack around recognition. And I think that that's really neat because I being seen for who we are is one of the greatest things in the world. Yes. And so I think for me, I started this episode thinking like recognition, you're getting an award, you're getting an accolade, you're someone's recognizing you for the work that you've done and you're winning getting the, the champions championship belt. belt. Exactly. Yeah. And then it turned in throughout the episode of, no, this isn't about getting recognized or as in a sense of like, you earn this award, but it becomes way more of this. You just want to be recognized. I just want to be seen. Want to be seen. Yeah. And how much that turns into things like I don't need the award. I just want to be seen. Yeah. And I think for me, if we can dive just right in, do it. You won't. Is when you see the blind bandit with the championship belt. It is Toph in her true self. That is her truest form. This snarky, powerful bender who is incredibly talented. And it's not so much that the belt is what is like, I'm looking to be the champion. It is more so that I'm just getting to be my authentic self. And so that's why I think it hurts so much when she loses the belt. It's not her losing the championship. It's her losing her identity. Yeah, she gets mad. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, she just stomps off, walks away, doesn't want to talk to Twinkle Toes. It's bad. Yeah, and I think that's that's why, right? Like, it's not just I wanted to be the champion. Yes, she wants to be the champion, but I think it's I think it's also because that's when she feels like her most true form of herself. And so it's really hard if that's not good enough. Well, I wonder if, like, I wonder if scarcity is playing into that, like not being good enough, right? I'm the best. I'm the best. And then you find out that you're not. And it didn't. T- it just took less than thirty seconds to find out that you weren't, right? And I think that that can be really humbling in a way. And sometimes you don't take it as a humbling exercise. You take it as a that's stupid. I'm gonna walk away and I'm gonna be angry about it. So it's it's interesting. It's all in how you take those moments. The uh, one of the first moments that pops up in the episode for me is master you and just the title of master to begin with like by earning We've talked the, about that before by earning right? the title of master do you earn this recognition and yeah. is it a real one because that title brings ang to his academy and very quickly once he's like and i'll move you up a couple belts for uh, a couple extra payments yep you lose that credibility it's gone and so is the master is he a master is he a faux master are there faux masters is that like we had a claim that you have a master can you just be like oh i'm a master in firebending is there a phd system you have to earn to get those letters we had a similar conversation when we were talking about master paku Mm -hmm. and like what does it take to be a master and what does it mean to symbolize being what does mastery entail right because i they Aang has to master all four elements, 
but even avatar roku at the end of his life was saying i still have more to learn more to learn right and so i think it's interesting to think about like what mastery really means um and so i think it's pretty bold and potentially a uh money-making ploy to take on the title of master in this situation because we see that he can bend but we don't see anything that's near what Toph can do, right? In fact, he didn't even recognize in Toph, in Toph, and see in Toph what I had she can no do. No idea she could do these things. Yeah, and then at the end, he's like, "She's the greatest Earthbender I've ever seen." Well, and wouldn't it be? I would consider. I would think that a master, if you were bending in front of Iatso, right? Yeah. That he would sit there and be like, you're holding back. Yeah, exactly. I know you're holding back. Exactly. Like, he would be good enough to sit there and be like, you're caking it right I think now. Iroh would notice that. I think Iroh would I think, notice that. I, think, I even think Paku would notice that. I agree. So to have this this master of earthbending sit there and be like, I had no idea. Yeah. For uh, Makes me question whether he's a master or not. Exactly. Or if he's a con man and has he worked his way into this. Yep. So what the titles we use and, and the way that that signifies recognition, though, like, Similar to a championship belt, a title. Yeah. Is you better recognize me. How many times have you heard someone who's been like, My name is Dr. So and so? Legitimately had that happen. I worked seven years for this, so you better use it. I legitimately heard that. Uh, Almost directly. I hate that. I get it. I don't like it. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, But so the title itself and the recognition that people feel like they've earned because of that title. Um, was an interesting moment for me just in that first titles seconds. labels all those things are really interesting and in what we claim right um i always try to listen to the intro and see if it applies yeah that's your thing i think i started and then every time i'm like ben will do it <laughs> ben will get there so katara in the intro recognizes ang for what he could be it reminds me of like seeing the potential in people rather than just what is on the surface or their past actions. I see what you could be. And, and do you think the title of Avatar gets her to that place, or do you think she sees that in him regardless of the fact? I that don't it's... know. That's an interesting question. But I think that I believe he can change the world is the statement. Like she believes it, and she says it every episode, again and again and again. <laughs> well, yeah, by I think, design. No, I, so I, 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 mean, I think she's literally repeating it every episode. But that's just me. Anyway, like she's just on opera, yeah, they yeah. fly from one city to the next, being like, and Ang's just like, I, yes, I get it. Yeah, please calm down. And so it just like I think so. We we have collectively worked with children for many many years, and I think I mean, that, almost thirty if you add all our oh, our God. time together. If it, it's, more than that it's more like 45 yeah anyway it's been a while, <laughs> been a while. um but it's been a while <laughs> that was max what's the rest of the song go like <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> nailed it nailed it nailed it but when working with children when we work with children in a way that allows them to see the potential that we see when we can lift up what we see in them, children are way more likely to act in a way that is according with what we see. That's why creating an identity or, or seeing yourself in movies and television is so important to the development of human beings. Absolutely. If you can see yourself as the hero, you're more likely to be the hero. If you can see yourself as a doctor or as uh, any, any profession, if you see yourself in that or see someone that you can identify with 
and know that that is an actual possibility, you are much more likely to get there. Yeah. Um, and you see that in the way that we we work with literacy rates and yep. after school programs. The more they believe that they can be there, the more they believe college is a tangible thing, the more they believe that getting good grades is a tangible thing, the more likely they're going to get to that point. Yeah, and just to kind of put this into perspective and an example, I think that for those of you who have never heard of Michael Brandwine, really cool dude um, and excellent at teaching leadership. But one of the things he talks about is the way we give praise. And this is how we nurture the potential of every child. And like, you can give compliments in like four levels. You can say, hey, good job. That's like level one, which is pretty in one ear and out the other. Good job for what? Be more specific. Level two is like, hey, thank you for picking up that piece of trash. Good job, right? All of a sudden, there's an action associated with what was good. And now I know that picking up trash is now a good thing, and I can make that connection to my brain. Level three is, hey, thank you for picking up that piece of trash. That was very responsible. Good job, right? And so now you've built off that again, and, and you're now saying picking up trash is a good thing, and it's a responsible thing. So I now I know that not only... Picking up trash is good, but responsibility is a good thing. And I'm responsible when I pick up trash, right? Level four, here's where you get big, right? This is where it starts to get like a little awkward. Hey, thank you for picking up that piece of trash. I really appreciate you doing that. Good job. Did you know that that kind of responsibility is what a lot of professions need? For instance, if you wanted to be a doctor, you kind of need that kind of responsibility. So I, you could be a doctor one day. All these links connected. All of a sudden, in that child's brain, they have connected picking up a piece of trash to responsibility to being a doctor. And all of a sudden, they see that potential within themselves based off of, a, like, a what, a three, four-second compliment that I gave? Think of the difference in that when you've gotten feedback from someone yeah. as well. Like, even as an adult, how many people have been in jobs where they've gotten, oh, good job, good job today. And you're like, oh, you feel you feel good about that. I know, thank you. But you, feel, but you feel much better when it's, hey, I really love the thought and care that you put into presenting that PowerPoint today. It was intelligent. It was concise. It was easily readable. You did a great job of presenting. And that's the type of behavior that we like to see in people who are with this company. And that makes me feel seen. Yeah. That, a, that You feel recognized in that I moment. I feel recognized. Versus the CEO walking by and saying, hey, good job today. One shows an intentionality and care about you. And one is nice, or can be nice, but it's just not nearly as impactful. It's it's meaningless when you think yeah. of what it could be. So I'm already going to jump to the my devotion. I imagine this is what it's going to be. Is like I want to remember to do this more often because even though I'm bringing it up, I forget. I forget to recognize people and to see the potential in them and that's just that's big well, with the staff i work with that's one of the things we try to teach the most of and it's hard because it's that is that is not a practiced trait throughout your life to actually be specific with feedback to others yeah that is even when it's positive we are more way more specific not all the time when we're giving negative feedback absolutely than we are with positive feedback and if we switch that what that could be um, well, and, the English language is not very helpful when it comes to that because there's way more negative connotative con 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 connoted words that connotation. Anyway, there's a lot more negative words in the English language than there are positive ones. And so our language itself is a barrier in terms of being complimentary. Y'all ever think about how like horrible and horrific are both bad words? 
but terrible and terrific are kind of like opposites. It's pretty wild. Wow. What's so? But is that is? So the what's the root word of terrible? I mean, we you've, you've already thought about this more than I have. Because then the root word of terrific, I would is probably a different root word. Maybe, maybe not. And that brings us back to Avatar. Anyways, so so you get these moments of of being seen when giving positive praise. I wonder if Master, if like Master Yu would have spent more time doing those types of things. Maybe he would have recognized the power in Toph when training her. So I have a question. So oh, lay it on me, please. So Master Yu, like Aang has already tra- he has an outfit on. Like he's already like bought into the program. He's got his outfit. And he goes up, starts gets into this earthbending pose, and gets smashed by a boulder. And then he makes his pitch. If you commit to a year, that means I'll bump you up a belt. And to me, if I were in that situation, I'm not committing to this. I have zero interest in committing in to being a part by of a boulder. So my question is, why are there so many students in that school? He has a lot. You would dictate that you would say quality would mean that if the quality is bad, students would be less. And clearly the quality does not seem great. Um, unless that's the only option, unless he's the only master in town and you've got so many kids that want to be, you're doing the equivalent of like, I can teach you to be a superhero, except it's attainable. And so if he's the only person in town doing that. Yeah. I just like, that is not the situation that I, would see myself wanting to be a part of at all. No. And I don't know if that's just hindsight 2020, but I'm or if it's me being able to, I just, that seems ew. Well, and you, I wonder how good he is at it. And if they think they're good at it, right. Do those two older students talk, you know, weren't super kind to the gang. Yeah. And, uh, Katara, though she is a master makes pretty quick work of finding out, where they're going, or what show they're trying to go see, or the, where the wrestling tournament is. I keep saying wrestling because it is it is designed very much like a WWE yeah uh, show, which I think is a, actually a really cool parallel. Yep. Um, and the boulder is clearly the rock, which I think was fun too. So apparently, neither of us have a great answer. If you have a good answer to that question, why are students? Why are there so many students in this school? We want to hear it. Yeah, like help us understand. Why they keep going to Master U if it's not a great school? And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's Aang's... And are we missing something? Maybe it is a good school and we're just reading too much into this. What's the most generous assumption we could make? Yeah, I just, I want to know what you think. And so I just, tell us, please. Via voice memo at thearchivy at gmail.com. Which brings us to Katara taking care of the boys. And she does, and we find out where we're going. Did that seem... Was there a better way for her to get that information out of them? So, I think this is interesting because... Or did she do it for the recognition? Did she do it to show that she could do it and to be recognized as someone who could do it? I didn't think about it that way. That's interesting. I wonder if she likes being seen as... A powerful bender. Especially to Sokka and Aang. Did they see? They didn't. They didn't go see what she did. She just kind of came back around the corner and was like, "Oh, but this is That's what true. they're doing." She didn't like. We see it as the audience, but yeah. they don't go down that path. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. But does she want to be recognized as a powerful bender by others, especially, you know, people who just tried to make a, a quick mockery <laughs> of her in the group? <coughs> so, excuse me. So, 
I wonder then I had a thought come across my head while you were talking, which is Katara has recently come into this amount of power that she realizes she has. Certainly she had to work for it. She had to train, but this is a pretty recent development of her having this much power to work with. I wonder if she is in this moment all about using that power because she has it and doesn't know where the line is yet. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, is she, is she still navigating when it is and when it is not okay to use the power that she has? Well, I feel like you get those moments in like the karate kid or in other shows that are of a similar vein or other movies of a similar vein of like, all right, Spider-Man just learns all these skills, but then he uses them to beat up the school bully versus like, thus making him the bully versus having restraint and saving it only when he's facing Doc Ock, right? So like, yeah. I feel like you get similar tropes through that where it is a little bit of it. And maybe she's going, there, I don't think there was a reason that she would have needed to do that. Yeah. Um, but maybe she did. I don't know what that conversation was like. Maybe they were very rude to her. Maybe they said some things like, you know, they catcalled her when she walked by or tried to get information. I don't know. I didn't see. So like, yeah, was there a purpose for the way that she responded? And I feel like sometimes we're tough on Katara more so than other characters. Maybe we show. are. Um, and so I'm trying to be cognizant of that. I'm pretty tough on Sokka too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be less tough on Toph. I love Toph and the character oh, I'll be tough on that, Toph too. she goes through. I think she's um, great. And there are moments she's where She's one of my favorite characters got some stuff. in the universe of Avatar and Legend of Korra. And nice. so I love this episode, and, and I would argue it's one of the best episodes of the series. Wow. That's cool. Um, one of my favorites so far, just hmm. because it's her introduction, and I think it's a fun episode. Um, you get a lot of fun earthbending battles in this episode that have yet to take place. This is the first time we really get to see earthbending being used the way it could be. Yeah. Um, so... We get this moment. Uh, let's do. We want to. Where do we want to jump to next? Recognition. Do we want to jump to the the championship? So I wanted to before that. Okay. So this is the first time Ang, the blind bandit comes on, and Ang sees the blind bandit. Ang sees Toph, right? Mm-hmm. And Ang sees her and misgenders Toph and says he. After both Katara, well, after Katara says she, then Ang says he, and then Sokka says she. And I wonder, because they don't mention it, they don't talk about it. Part of me wonders if it was just an accident or if it's just our version of it that like <laughs> has that. Because um, I can't tell if it's clear or not, but it's pretty clear that he says he. And like I you went back and listened. I went I, back and listened. I don't three even. Times. I don't think yeah. this even registered to me when I was yeah, watching. I went back and listened three times just to make sure, um, because I was confused and I was like, "Well, tell." what and so yeah he clearly says he when talking about Toph Aang clearly says he when talking about Toph and then immediately switches to she after she laughs and then there's this flashback where he recognizes the laugh that's the girl from the swamp yeah yeah and uh there's no mention of it but I just I thought that was worth mentioning sure and maybe it was an accident maybe it was a slip up maybe I don't know. I wonder if there's, for him, with the exception of Avatar Kyoshi, have we met any female masters? No. I don't think so. And so I wonder if that's a part of that. For him, being a master is a male-dominated feat. That's so interesting. And so 
if he's never experienced a female doing that, it's also everybody who's been on stage so far has it's been male. also been male, like instead of a a little girl, yeah, right. So, um, so I wonder if there's uh, a perceived or a uh, embedded bias in him. Yeah, that's just part of the patriarchy in this universe where all of the masters are men. That's unfortunate. And I wonder if that was intentional by the writers or creators, or if that was something that they just that wasn't even thought about. Um. So very, which I mean, when you think about teachers, you would say teachers is a female-dominated field, or a typically, typically, um, certainly, and but our professors, when you think of college professors, which are at a higher level, I mean, they're not, but like they've ideally gone through more training, and yep. So do we think of masters on the same deal? People with PhDs and everything else, and so is there just an embedded bias in the way that either the writers or Ang views people who are supposed to be teaching him and who, yeah. he, and who he can learn from. Yeah, if you didn't hear that, go back and listen. And then if I'm wrong, then I listened to it three times and thought I was right. But I don't know. So she wins. Yep. Aang defeats her. Yep. We already had a little bit of conversation talking about the way that she feels seen and recognized. Um, and then we see her go home. Yeah. Yes. And I, there's two things I want to bring up before she goes home. There's, as Aang gets on the the stage, um, Toph is taunting Aang and calls Aang a girl. And I think that's interesting, coming from Toph. Well, isn't it, uh, what's, you're going to know the quote better, but we're most judgmental about the areas in which we judge ourselves. Yeah. And so heard. I wonder if she's, she I don't know gets if you've portrayed heard of, her, of That's Brene Brown. Oh, Brene yeah. Brown. You ever heard of her? Um, she gets portrayed as this and, and gets looked at as this, and so is she quick to throw that insult yeah, to other people? I wonder. I, I just think it's really interesting because then 30 seconds later, Sokka, maybe not 30 seconds later, but Sokka gets, uh, oh, why did, you, why did you respond to Twinkle Toes? That's not manly. And then Katara immediately calls him out for carrying a man bag. I thought that, that like this show has a few just... Very gendered moments. Very gendered moments. And I just wanted to lift those up a little bit for just to bring awareness around well, them. Well, because it often gets played for humor. Yeah. It well, often I... gets played for you're recognizing this moment as, haha, he's got a purse. That's typically a female uh, accessory, and Sokka's carrying it. Um, and, I, and then he gets this big elaborate belt, which would also be considered like, I guess a ch- wrestling belt wouldn't necessarily be considered a feminine accessory but he wears that and he's like this belt and this bag go together really well i feel like i'm rocking yeah. it uh, it gets played for laughs and the reality is just like you want to wear a belt and have a and have a bag rocket Zaka. well i just got it i want to recognize it for what it is and i i want to recognize how i feel about it and did i laugh and i like i i know that i've watched this show so many times like at least 10 times through and I'm certain that in the past I've laughed at that. And now, as I think about it, I laugh less and less at those The moments. joke doesn't hit as the much. The joke doesn't land as yeah. much. And I just, I think that's because of the recognition I, I have around that and what I know it to be and what and how that plays with my value system now that my values have changed over the past 10 years. And so I just, I wanted to lift that up and... um have a little have a little talk about well, it. I think that's important. I think it's important that we are consistently recognizing and evaluating what's making us laugh. Why is it funny? 
Um, I feel like I laugh less at like stand-up comedians for the same reason. Uh, the more, oh, more yeah, like, the, me like, too. Things that I thought were hilarious five years ago, comedy ten years me. ago, and then now comfortable. it's I feel like it's tough for stand-up. For, uh, there's de- like there's definitely stand-up that works, but um, I still think there's when people are relying on gender jokes, definitely those do not get laughs from me nearly as much. And so I think the same thing happens in the show, and I think that's an awareness of it. And it's not to say that you can't laugh at that. I think it's just to say the more you're aware of things and, and understanding the oppression that happens in certain areas, um, the more those things don't feel as funny. Well, it's also like— Not that you can't make the joke. Not that you're wrong in saying the joke. Exactly. It's just, to me, that is less funny. Well, it's also interesting because there's uh, another Brene Brown quote about you, you can— piss and moan all you want but if you're doing it without perspective then it's not okay right you can have a bad day you're allowed to have a bad day suffering is not comparative however if you are having quote first world problems and those types of issues and you're complaining about that to people who are actually hungry starving without a home it's really it doesn't look good they're not going to perceive that as much or give you as much empathy. There's no, empathy yeah, it just doesn't create empathy. It's just, it's, it's a really tough. It doesn't mean that it sucks when your Wi-Fi goes out. It yeah. sucks when your Wi-Fi goes out. It does. And you've got to recognize that it can, that you can feel that way. And that can be a thing. But if you go and complain about that to someone who never has internet access, it's not going to go. It's not going to land well. well. Yeah. Um, what other moments in this? I feel like there's there's one or two more that I want to touch on for for where we see recognition. So I recognized so when Aang announces that he's a, like coming to dinner with the Beifong family, or rather, you know, Beifong is like, who dares show up after Toph has been like, and Toph is like, uh uh-uh, uh, go there. away. Yep. Aang says, oh, I want to have, I want to come see y'all. I have the privilege of just announcing my visit and people <laughs> wanting to meet me. Yep. And so they go in, and Toph is, like, mad all night. Not having it. Not paying it. Like, she's mad. And then the first time she smiles is when she airbends under the table and essentially kicks Aang under the table through earthbending. Yeah. Um, And then she smiles. She gives a nice little smirk. Because she's getting to be herself. That's exactly what I was saying. Like, this is the first time all night that she's get gotten to be herself. She's had to play and pretend in front of people who know her and have seen her authentic self. And this is the moment where she smiles because she gets to live into that a little bit. No. I thought that was really interesting. Well, and, I, and the power that comes from being your authentic self, there's the moment that after they get kidnapped and they get released— and Master and her dad come and pick her up. And you find out that Aang is still going to be stuck in what he's doing. You get this moment where Katara runs around the corner and says, Toph, we need your help. We need you. And her dad says, she's a little girl. She's fragile. She can't help. She She's not going to be any help. She can't help him. And she goes, yes, I can. And she breaks away from dad and the master and then she just absolutely annihilates everyone else and you get this moment that you realize we are our strongest selves when we feel seen and recognized and get to live into our authenticity 
that is where we get to be the strongest versions of ourselves and do the most good. And I think that that was a really important moment for Toph and for her dad and um, her master to see that was, I think, incredible. Um, so I just think that was a moment worth highlighting is the moment that she, like the moment that she got to be her authentic self, you just see her just absolutely annihilate. This moment reminded me else. of a quote by Marianne Williamson. Um, it's also been quoted in many a movie. Uh, Coach Carter, I believe was one of them. Um, but our, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? And this moment is not really Toph being scared of her dark or of her light. I think it's her dad being scared of Toph's light. Right. Her dad is terrified of the fact that she is so powerful or could be powerful because he's been trying to protect her all of his life. And if she shows potential to do well, that means she's going to have to put herself out there and she's going to have to face the world. And that light, that power, that is terrifying. Hide it under a bushel. Yeah. Right. Like, right. And so I just find that really fascinating. That's what came up for me is that quote. Cause normally that quote, I've had a lot of people, I've used that quote a lot. And I've had a lot of people be like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Like, why would I be scared of my good things? I don't get it. And this is a moment where like, this is it. This is what I'm talking about. Dad is so scared of the good and what could be because of what that goodness could create. Could he also be recognizing that like, maybe he's messed up as a parent for the last 10 years or that like maybe he's seeing flaws well, yeah. in the way that he approached that well, as well. And if this is true, what does that mean about my parenting? Exactly. That's a that's a whole nother that's true. Yeah. So but I mean, but you're right, like she's so powerful, but that means that she gets to go out into the world and then all these things I'm trying to protect her from, I'm not able to do that because she's not gonna be in my care. And then we see that when she runs away to be with Aang and the gang and travel with him, where he's like, mm mm, she's been kidnapped can't fathom the fact that like she could have done this on her own free will why would she leave um she had to have been kidnapped and the avatar did it um and i think that's that's still him trying not to recognize the power that she has and and who she really is um which is super sad that's super sad anything else we want to touch on before we jump into our voicemail and and final lens of the episode i think our final devotion we covered all the things that i wrote down I love this episode. I like this series. Yeah, it's so good. I like the show. Max was about to jump in. When you mentioned Coach Carter, you saw like a little pep in his step and like him eat towards the mic and like he definitely wanted to jump in and talk about Coach Carter. It was just that I knew the quote that you were going to reference. Cool. Good talk, Max. That's why I didn't actually jump in. (laughs) He's seen it. All right. We we have a, a voicemail and then we will jump into our final devotion and we'll be back in just a moment. You have reached the voicemail box of Bending Not Breaking. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey there, my name is Denby, and I'm absolutely loving the podcast. I wanted to talk to you about the Blind Bandit episode. I recently took a safe zone training that was centered around making welcoming spaces for those who identify as LGBTQ+. So I've started watching this show with a different lens. There's a moment when Toph talks to her parents about who she really is, and it seems very much like a coming out moment. 
It felt like this was the first time she was revealing who she really was to her family. And I wanted to know if you saw this in a similar way. Wow, Dimby, thank you so much for taking the time to send in that wonderful voicemail. I think that you've given us a definitely something more to talk about because that's something that I definitely see now that you bring it up. And I love that that Safe Tone training um, made this possible for us to have this conversation. I think that that's a really cool thing to see and talk about because Papa Beifong is... Like he starts out so good when he starts talking to Toph. He's, yeah, I don't see you any differently, sweetheart. And then he completely goes on this left turn where, where he's going to hide her away and not let her be herself. It and makes that scene so much more devastating. Yeah. It like lifts her up and then drops her. It's oh. just so hard. And to think about that in the context of coming out of the closet, it just breaks my heart a little bit. Well, and then that kind of changes the whole shift of the episode as well. Like, yeah. At, when it, we're only talking about being seen as your true authentic self and the power that lies in that and then how often are we in spaces that actively... Affirm our identity. Yes. And then how often are we not? Yeah. Especially when, when we are not at where we should be most safe, which is home. And yeah, and I've, that's not something I've ever experienced, right? Like that's not, I've only felt like I've never felt at home. Like I couldn't be my authentic self or that I couldn't be safe in that space. Um, and how hard that has to truly be and why that would lead someone to be like, no, I need to run away. Like why I need to now leave and go with people who accept well, me it, for, that's another thing. Go accept, this is my chosen family. Like any, the gang turns into her chosen family because of the way that they see her and look at her well there's so many statistics about how i think what 40 percent of homeless teens are i don't know what the statistic is it's a lot high percentage of homeless teenagers are lbgtq plus it's a very high percentage and of those there's a incredibly greater risk for mental illness and so it's just one of those things where it builds on itself and it's aces. The trauma builds, right? The more things you have, the more likely to have ex exponential trauma. It's just. And to cause that in others. Yeah. Oh, Denby. Thank you so much for, for that insight. That was wonderful. Um, and if you've got other insights that you, that y'all want to share that we potentially aren't seeing, please, please send them to uh, the archive at gmail.com via voice memo. Uh, Denby, thank you again. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and now makes me look at that entire episode differently. Um, Dang. Let's talk devotion. We are working oh. through. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's uh, through a lens of fire. Mental shift here. Um, and we're talking about recognition through fire. And, and so fire for you, what does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, I feel like I, I talked about this earlier. I, um, I'm going to definitely steal what I said. I, I want to see the fire that's burning in every person that helps. What, what is their passion? What is their potential? What is their, their thing that makes them churn and drive? What is their drive, their ambition? And I want to see those embers within a person. And I want to fan them. And I want to fan them ferociously. And one of the ways I think I can do that is by narrowing and being more specific with my compliments and being more 
uh, intentional with my compliments. I don't want to give a level one compliment of saying, hey, there, good job. I want to, I want to nurture the potential. I want to see what they could become, and I want to nurture that. That's what I want to do. To kind of stick around the same vein, when I think of fire, I think that all the things that have to come together so that it can thrive and be helpful. Oxygen. Oxygen. You got to have kindling to make it go. There's got to be some form of a fuel. There's, you've got to be able to kick it off. And that if those things dissipate, that that fire goes out so quickly. And so for me, when I see the way that the Toph feels seen in the environments that she sees, how do I create those spaces where there's enough oxygen and enough fuel to make sure that that fire can thrive? And so how do I create safe spaces um, for individuals to be their most authentic self? And if that's through getting to know them or to making sure that we're not using dehumanizing language or to make sure that there's not symbolism uh, that they have to work around uh, and navigate that could potentially be a barrier, um, I think that's what I want to do. And so that'll be my focus this week is how am I creating safe spaces in my work environment, in my personal life to make sure that people can be their authentic selves when they're around me and with me. Um, I love that. So that fire can grow. Let's fan the fire, y'all. Let's fan fire in people. And let them be their most authentic selves. See, Fire Nation can be a good thing, y'all. We just have to see the potential in the Fire Nation. There's the balance, right? That's the whole point. Um, Thank y'all so much for listening. Again, go follow us at BNB underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter for bonus content. Send us an email at thearcv at gmail.com. We do an avatar artist of the week. Um, so that's something that you can find there and make sure that you see on both Instagram and Twitter. There's quotes, there's quotes of the day. Yeah. There's fun stuff on there. So please go follow us at BNB underscore pod. Again, contribute to this episode by sending us a voice memo at, uh, I keep saying at, like it's, it's the at gmail.com, the at gmail.com. Send a voice memo there. And thank you all again for listening. And Max, thank you again for doing what you do. You are the unsung hero of this podcast. You make this podcast better. It's good to be here. Happy that you're here. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This is Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. Okay, bye.